you're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hoffman. Well, boys, welcome to episode 110 of Sticks in the Six. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini and Alex Hobson. And boys, normally when we go live, we're at the bottom line. Unfortunately, um, since last week, that's kind of fallen off for us. Uh, We won't be doing any bottom line anytime soon, Um, but we hope to get back there eventually. We are here, though. We are presented by the Indy House and the Variety Sports Network. And so we're going live now for episode 110. Before we get into anything hockey, let's throw it over to you, boys. I see the Jags hat. I love it. I love. I'm looking for an upset this week. What do you What are you thinking, Alex? Ooh, I don't know. Okay. Well, when I I don't think they're going to upset. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Mahomes is too good. I think uh, their their defense is going to get exposed a little bit. However, I do think that they are going to make it a close game. Uh, I think that it, like if I if I was a betting man, which I am, uh, I'm probably going to take the Jags to cover the spread in this game. It's probably going to be. I don't know why I haven't checked the the. Uh, I haven't checked the odds yet, but uh, I would imagine it's probably the spread's probably up near like plus nine point five or something like that. So um, I think that's a safe bet for me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm love I'm at wearing the Jags hat again. Obviously, I've worn I've worn Leafs gear and my Jays hat quite a bit on this show. Time to change it up a little bit and uh, flex a flex a team that actually knows how to win around the playoffs so far. Uh, it's I'll tell you boys, it was a great experience getting to witness that. I did I did see the uh, the 2015 and 2016 playoffs though, but uh, for the Jays, so that wasn't my first experience. But uh, yeah, it was the, it was the first time in a long time I got to I got to watch something like that and just in the fashion that happened, the comeback against the Chargers. Oh, second half, Trevor Lawrence, and then he caps it off with a with a breakfast at Waffle House at like one in the morning. Just just an absolute king. Uh, yeah, breakfast of uh, champions, right? Breakfast of champions. I don't even think he went for the breakfast. I think he actually got. I think I, I just watched the video like right before we started recording. I think he said that he got like the the bacon bacon cheese Texas bacon cheese steak or something like that. Like that, that, that's not something to eat for breakfast. That's something to eat after you you mount like a twenty seven fucking point comeback against. Uh, against another prince in the league and Justin Herbert. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, overall pumped to be back, though. Pumped to be doing this. And uh, cheers to episode 110. Episode 110 for the amount of effort we give every every night. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 110%, baby. Um, it, as you said, I'm a betting man myself as well. I'm going to take the second half over in the Jags game because I can guarantee you that Trevor Lawrence is going to go off in the, in the uh, second half as he has done for the second half of this season. Um, but Peter, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I, I, am not on the betting bandwagon as much as you guys are. Like I try to keep up to it as much as possible, but I don't throw down as much as you guys do. I know you guys talk in the chats too about like spreads, overs, unders. I'm like, man, I wish I knew what they were talking about. We're, we're throwing it in there. Cause we're going to, we're going to get you involved here. We're going to try exactly. and get you on, on the FanDuel site. It's we're going to become one of those, time. we're going to become one of those podcasts where it's like 90% betting ads and betting <laughs> yeah. content. We're going to have like betting, a losing. And like <laughs> men's performance uh, enhancers. Oh God! No. Okay, this is how we kick it off one ten. Yeah, eh? This okay. is well, not. Yeah, no. Hey, this is this I'm is not the direction we want to be. This is not the direction we want to be. I'm not getting picture. any younger, boys. I'm 34. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. Oh man, but yeah, you know I'm, I'm doing good. 
Um, obviously, you know, very quiet week. I, I can't talk about football because my team isn't even in the playoffs. New England Patriots, go ahead, have at it. Troll me, make fun of me all you want. But I was a fan before pre-Tom Brady era. But, you know, dynasty's in. Uh, hopefully they'll get back at it sooner or later. Let the rebuild begin kind of thing. So I'm just sit back watching great football no matter what. Dynasties ends and end and so do relationships, according to uh, Tom Brady. So, um, anyways, Tom Brady has never looked more divorced than he did in that game against the Cowboys. <laughs> oh man, that, that little jog off in the in the uh, the the hat uh, hat, hat wave, whoever he was in the fan, like yeah, it was just. I mean, Peter, I saw tell it's it's the end. I saw a great meme about Tom Brady that you would appreciate. It was like, it was just a picture of him. One of his press conferences where his face looked especially bony and, and, and very triangular. And the caption was, if the, if the death core band's guitarist looks like this, you're about to die in that pit. Oh man. <laughs> Not a big death core fan, but I know what you're talking about right there. I don't even think it was, I don't know why I said death core. I think it was hardcore. It's just the one hardcore, hardcore metal core. Yeah, whatever. Core, <laughs> core, this core, that core four. Let's get there into you it. Go. Core four, the Leafs. We'll get into them in just a second, boys. But uh, as you know, when I get very passionate about something on this show, I like to go on a little bender to, to kick things off. So I spent the day um, kind of reading. I I try not to get as involved as I once did. Um, you know, put my opinion out there and kind of let it sit. And obviously last night, we're going to talk a little hockey here. So as I, you know, last night there was the... Um, the conversation surrounding the Philadelphia Flyers and Ivan Provorov and his choice not to take part in the warmups for pride night with the Philadelphia Flyers and wear the pride Jersey because of his religious views. And I want to get into this because I, I, I think it's complete bullshit. I think it's a crutch. I think I'm not, I'm not a guy who dabbles in religion myself. Um, and that's not nothing against anybody who does. Um, I want to make that very clear. I'm not, I'm not going against anybody who, who uh, chooses to go that route. I, I personally do not. And for me, when you, when you follow a religion, you follow it to a T. I don't think you can pick and choose what you choose or, or what, what parts of that religion you are a part of. Um, I've got a, I've got a friend who's, who's Jewish. He doesn't, he doesn't eat pork, right? Uh, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a friend who's, um, who's Muslim and he doesn't go and eat a pepperoni pizza and then come back and say, okay, well, I'm not going to do, uh, or, or, or I'm going to do, I'm going to fast for, for Ramadan. Like you can't, you can't pick and choose the parts that you're doing. For me, it, it was used as a crutch in the situation to, to express hate and bigotry and, and the lowest form of humankind that, that, that there is. And what, what aggravated me a little bit is because I, I put my, I, I put my thoughts out there. I said, you know, like for me, you know, Torts was willing to, to sit any per, any player that knelt for the, the um, national anthem. Now I want to raise this question and, and it's, it's more theor- like it's more rhetorical than anything. If a player decided not to come out for the pregame skate on a military awareness night or, or appreciation night, or, Martin Luther King Day. We just had Martin Luther King Day, and you chose not to take part in that if you were wearing special jerseys for that. There would be a different uproar, I think, from a mm-hmm. certain group of people. And that group of people is the freedom of speech group of people. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'll, I'll jump on board with with the hockey writer's own Treg Wilson and say, like, 
absolutely. He has his, he has his, he, you know, he can voice his opinion, whatever. But freedom of speech comes with consequences. Okay. Freedom of speech is not say what you want, do what you want. And, you know, you kind of move on. It's say what you want, but there are consequences. And to me, if you're working a job and, and, you know, they've got this diversity day or what have you, where they're, they're appreciating a, a, a separate group of people that have been basically um, reduced to the lowest form of humankind for so many years and have had to fight for their equality. For If you decided not to take part in that, there would be more of an uproar at, at your job. So for me, you're an NHL player. Your job is to play hockey. Your job is to play and represent the team that you're playing. You don't want to do it. You don't want to be, get involved in, in recognizing diversity and inclusiveness and, and all that. Don't be there. You're being paid millions of dollars for you to put a crest on for 15 minutes while you're out on the ice. He could have put it on, gone out, shot two pucks and skated right back off. And this is, this is a, not even a story then. The fact that he decided to go out, not go out there, and then not only that, but it took away from what the whole night was about. Now the story is not about Pride Night for the Philadelphia Flyers. The story is about Ivan Provorov, who chose to voice his religious beliefs on, on a day that was supposed to recognize a group of people that have fought so hard for their, for their equality. And for an, to, 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 to go further, like the NHL, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw their response to, to what happened. But for the NHL to come out and basically say, yeah, you know what, fuck it. Like we, we, we push our players to, to be vocal and, and say whatever they they believe. You just literally shit on every little bit of information that you ever put out there about wanting inclusiveness and wanting diversity and wanting this and wanting that. Everything you said, you nullified by making that statement. So for me, the NHL, I don't want to ever see them talk about diversity again. I don't want to ever see them talk about um, inclusiveness. Um, it, it, to me, it's it's complete and utter bullshit. And I, to me, it personally made me sick. And if I'm telling you right now, there's been rumors of like Provorov being traded and blah, 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 leading up to the deadline. If the Leafs were to go out and get Provorov, I'm done. I, w- I would not be a fan. I would not be a fan. And I'm having a hard time today being a fan of the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if I really don't know if the NHL as a company, as a business will ever really win me back. I love my Leafs. I always will. But to go that route, to be that naive and, and not even naive, but blind and stupid. Um, I just, I, I don't have room for it. So like I said, the mentions I've seen them, I've seen what people have had to say to my, my beliefs on it. And, you know, to people who see it differently, I'm, I'm sorry you were raised that way. Um, you're really the lowest, lowest kind of human being. And to me, like, don't bother talking to me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Peter, I'll throw it to you first and see how you feel about uh, the Ivan Provorov bullshit. Yeah, it was uh, disgusting, disheartening. Um, like you said, it, it, it was a massive step back in terms of inclusivity and diversity for the NHL, and especially on a night where 
you, you want to get more people involved with hockey. And this is more of individuals who are constantly discriminated and persecuted against every single day for being who they are. Everyone is saying, oh, it's a lifestyle. Uh, it's a choice for them. No, it's not a choice. It's all ingrained in them. It's who they are. And you saying that you respect everyone's choice or everyone or you support or whatever from Provrov, if he says he res, uh, respects everyone's choice, well, you are not respecting and showing support for individuals who are who they are. This is not a choice for them. And to hear all that, to see all the comments defending him is actually kind of ridiculous because, you know, it is. And my main thing is, too, like people who are very religious and are saying, oh, he didn't say anything, but it's underlying, it's the underlying tone of everything involved with everything that's going on right now it's just the tone itself and if i recall like you know doing classes of religion in school and everything like that one of the main things that i saw was uh jesus said you know love one another as i have loved you kind of thing right where's the love for people in the lgbt community all i see is just hate and hate and constant hate directed towards them i'm like this is not what you and like you said, Andrew, you people pick and choose what they want to see or do or whatever, especially in this kind of realm. That's the one thing that you want to do is show respect and, you know, accept people for who they are. And you're not even doing that right now. So the fact that everyone is coming to Provorov's defense just basically says that you don't even know the Bible or anything else. So that's just where I'm at right now. Um, I know for a fact that we support everyone and just 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 know that there are a lot of people in the corner of accepting people for who they are um it's sad that so some people can't see the light about that but you know it's disappointing and the nhl's comments is just when you think you're taking a step further they go and take three major steps back so it's like you know what i'm i'm not even shocked at this point really quick shout out to to uh Derek Newmeyer on Twitter uh, at Derek underscore N underscore mm-hmm. H where he left that, uh, that time um, magazine piece, yeah. uh, piece where it's, you know, the headline is Russian Bishop likens gay marriage to laws to Nazi Germany. And I mean, it, that's where I think you're hitting it right on the head there, Peter, with you can sit there and say, I respect everyone, which, mm-hmm. you know, he openly did. He also said that he's a Russian Orthodox. Um, and to me, you got to read between the lines there. You can't respect everybody and, and then follow in, in line with a, with a religion that believes that gay marriage is as bad as Nazi Germany. Like, to me, it blows my mind that nobody even brought that question up. And on top of that, like, I'll give credit where it's due. Scott Lawton, James Van Riemsdyk are doing yes. their part to kind of just say, you know what? What we, what we believe as an organization, what we believe as a people within this room does not align with what he's saying at the same time, the Philadelphia flyers gave reporters like a two minute span to ask their questions regarding that night. And then kind of like shut the door and said, well, you know, let's talk hockey now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to sweep under the rug, you know, the, the bigotry that is within your dressing room. So to me, like I lost a little bit of respect there for the flyers on top of that, they have Tony D'Angelo on their team. So I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers can kind of eat shit, in my opinion, right now. But that's uh, that's a story for another day. Um, Alex, I'll throw it to you because I think I've said enough on this topic. 
you can you can honestly keep talking and take my 10 minutes I'd, I'd sit back and i'd turn my mic off and just let you go because you seem to you have a good way of taking all the thoughts mm-hmm. that peter and i and i'm sure people watching and people around the hockey world have and, and articulating them um you know my first thought about this when or i won't say my first thought because i i had to read into the story a little more and and i'll say my first thought after sleeping on it is that this is literally like the final boss of every performative bullshit action the nhl has ever tried to put out because there's a lot of different legs to this beast a lot of different legs to this final boss so starts with ivan provorov and in his case yeah he deserves to be condemned for for his, for his beliefs on this. They're harmful to other people. I said earlier today in a tweet, it pissed some people off that, you know, sure, everyone has a right to their own beliefs, but not every belief deserves to be respected. Because if you don't respect other human beings, then why should anybody respect that belief of yours, right? So it starts with Provorov. You know, it is what it is. He does have the right to his own beliefs, but, you know, he, he should be condemned for him. Is what it is. We can't change anything about his views. When you go beyond him, when you go to the fact that the Flyers went forward with their pride night, allowed him not to, and like you said, Andrew, allowed him not to take the warmups and allowed him to turn himself into the center of attention that night. And you know what? I'm sure Provorov himself didn't want to be the center of attention, but I'm sorry, buddy. You pull a stunt like that, like you said, he could have, he could have skated onto the ice, taken two laps, taken a shot on that, gotten off. But because he made the decision to stay inside, to stay in the dressing room, and not join his teammates, and to make a statement out of it. Sure, he doesn't want to say anything to the media. I'm sure he, I'm sure he hoped that it would just fly under the slip under the rug, and no one else would have noticed. But that's not how it works in the hockey media. And so when you when you when you consider that the Flyers allowed him to pull that stunt, still played him that night, still played him. <laughs> and I, I saw a funny tweet confi- about the fact that if an NHL player decides not to go to the all-star game after they've been selected, they get suspended mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're telling me that, that. And, and listen, I know it's a league affair versus mm-hmm. a team affair. I, I know they're different things, but you're telling me that you can't bench a guy for that, but the NHL is totally fine with allowing players to, or sorry, the Just NHL is totally players, fine yeah. with, 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 with benching players a game because they skip a fucking clown show events. Honestly, like I, it's just, and then, sorry, I, I, I keep going off on tangents and getting off track. So we've, we've gotten to Provorov. We've gotten to the flyers, the rest of the NHL, like you said, Forbes, because this all falls under the NHL's umbrella. And then they had to cap it off with that statement that basically said, yeah, you know what? Everything that we've said in the past two years, you know, the Kyle beach situation, uh, everything that we have ever said regarding racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia or anything in the game, anything we've ever said is bullshit. That's that's more or less what they came out and said. They said the quiet part out loud. And y- y- when you when you take all those factors and put them together, it's just it, it, it is just the NHL and its performative bullshit in a nutshell, one big fat fucking nutshell. And. <sighs> You know, I, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say on the on the situation itself that you guys haven't said already. But I will say that I, I'm so so sick of people using this as a crutch, like you said, mm-hmm. Forbes. And you know what? We can I, I've I've vented about it before. We've all vented about it before. We're, we can keep talking in circles. And you know, there's nothing that's really there's no indication that this is going to change anytime soon. But the people that in this in question here do not understand 
They do not understand, like you said, that you can't just pick and choose parts of a religion to fit your beliefs, right? Like the Russian Orthodox Church says you got to be a virgin until marriage. Do we think Pearl Rob's a virgin? <laughs> like, I'm sorry to use that example, but it's a, it's right there. It, it's right there that like. There are so many things. There, there's something in the there's something in the Christian Bible about how you can't wear fucking fabric. You're gonna tell you're gonna tell me that you're sitting there and you're condemning people for for being born a certain way, being born into their skin, being born attracted to the same sex, and you're gonna sit there and tell them that they're wrong. You better not be wearing a fucking shirt either. You better not be having sex before marriage. You better not be doing any of this shit. It's just. It, it just it, it really just bothers me to no end how there's a how there's a group of people out there who can't live their lives knowing that other people are living their lives as well. It's just I'm you know I, I and I, I said I said it earlier today. I got a couple of gay relatives as well. That wouldn't change my stance at all on this, but it, it does hit a little deeper knowing that like you know these are some of the kindest people I know. They wouldn't hurt a soul. They're they're not doing anything. They're 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 living their lives just like everybody else. And these people out there think that they don't have a place in society because of their lifestyle. Like you said, Peter, a lifestyle. It's, it's a lifestyle, right? You, you, you wake up one day and you decide, you know what? I want to have 7 million faceless fucking trolls on Twitter coming after me. I, I just woke up one day and decided I wanted that to happen, right? No, it, like that, that's what nobody understands. No one understands that it's a, it, I won't say no one understands. Nobody in that group understands that it's not a lifestyle mm-hmm. choice, but you know, you can hammer the point over and over and over, and they're only going to want, they're only going to hear we'll what they want to hear. Yeah, in one we'll ear and through. out the other. So mm-hmm. that's my point. I'm, yeah. I'm done I'm, talking I'm about go, these losers. I'm going to go one step further. They do understand that it's a lifestyle. What they don't understand is that it doesn't require their commentary. It doesn't mm-hmm. require their hate and their bigotry and their, their ignorance and their stupidity. Um, because, like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit what they're doing? Like, I, yeah, hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't, I, I, I want to say so much more, but it's like, I just keep repeating myself yeah. because it's, it's the same, same shit. And I've been, I've like, I've had mentions all day on Twitter and I literally haven't responded to any of them and I've typed things out and then I've deleted it because I'm like, it's not even worth the battle. Mm-hmm. It's not worth the battle. Cause you, you're not going to win with these people. Like there's, there's some people out there that are yeah. like, former white house correspondents that have like 15,000 followers and they're tweeting out, Hey, this is, this guy should be your King because he's, uh, he's speaking on Catholicism. No, not even close, not even close. I would love to know what Provorov thinks about what's going on over in Russia and Ukraine right now. I would love to know. Cause I guarantee you, he's just a Putin spokes spokesperson. And it's just a, a further description of like what kind of human being he is. And he doesn't deserve to be in the NHL. For me, that's a privilege. You have a privilege of playing in one of the best leagues in terms of what you get paid and what you have to do to play hockey. And you can't be a hum- a, a decent human being. To me, it's just sickening. And and mm-hmm. like you guys both said, we've we've talked about this a hundred thousand times, and we're going to talk about it a hundred thousand times more. Um, and uh, you know, I. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm just at a loss yeah. now because I don't I don't know, you like you like you said, Peter. We take ten steps forward and five hundred steps back, so we're kind of in the same seat that we're always going to be in. But ten um, steps forward, that's generous. <laughs> I'm, I'm the NHL, 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 the NH
I I just want to like I, I just want to end this off by it, it, it was Brock McGillis with the comment that said that you know to those saying that LGBTQ is a lifestyle when he goes on to say cottaging is a lifestyle fitness is a lifestyle religion is a lifestyle all of those are lifestyles and then he goes on to say that this is who we are this is, is not this is not a lifestyle but then also I like I want to shout out to him and even Curtis Gabriel for trying to show like the positive impact that they have on the LGBTQ community right now because they are doing everything possible to show that this game is deserving of people to be inclusive and to be to to have the fans that do the right thing and show the support for everyone around them. So I just want to give those two a big shout out because they're doing absolutely incredible work right now. Well, guys, talking about Twitter overreactions, um, Pontus Holmberg. Uh, of our Maple Leafs was loaned <laughs> to the Toronto Marlies this uh, this afternoon, uh, and that is quite the transition. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> so about Pontus Holmberg, Maple Leafs uh, Twitter blew up, my my friends. Um, obviously, I, I saw your tweet, Alex. It's it's a loan. He's there for a little bit. Um, he was uh, he did miss a game or two with uh, with an illness as well. So. There is some some talk that it could be a bit of a conditioning stint just to get him back in in, in game shape. Uh, on top of that, you've had Dryden Hunt, who's played a couple of great games. Um, he got his first goal for the for the Leafs as well. Um, so he's he, he might be buying himself an extra game. Um, Alex, I'll throw it to you first. Your thoughts on the Pontus Holmberg move? Uh, you think it's a big deal, or is just something that uh, we'll see him back up in in a very short time? He'll be he'll be back up soon. I don't think there's really there's really anything anything to it. I think honestly, Forbes. I think you just handled our talking point there in like nine words, or however many it was. Like in just a couple of words, right there, when you were like, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, they're going to send him down. It's a conditioning stint. Probably, you know, has an illness. He's going to come back up." We could have wrapped it up right there and just and moved on. But <laughs> no, um, I, I, all, all talking points are good talking points. Uh, I would say that. I would say that it's probably also due to the fact that the Marlies have, what is it like? I think seven games in their next 12 days or something days, like that. Yeah. They're on a long yeah. trip. Yeah. They have a long trip so that, you know what? They can use a player. They can use, you know, at Holmberg at this point is, I would say he's too good for the AHL. So, you know, he's going to go down there, give the Marlies a big boost and, and, you know, play not under pressure just to get his game, get it, get his legs back under him. And then he'll be back in the lineup ready to contribute. And I think it just lines up perfectly because, you know, like you said, Dryden Hunt has picked it up over the past couple of games. Bobby McMahon's looked awesome. And I, I wonder when we start having the conversation about Bobby McMahon that we had about Pontus Holmberg two months ago, where it's like, okay, this guy is playing really well. Like do we, we need a legit reason to take him out of the lineup and he hasn't really given us one yet. So um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, end talking point, I guess. Peter, you want to add anything to that, or you just want to jump on to the next thing here? I'm going to keep this short. Yeah, considering how well he played with the Maple Leafs ever since he got called up, being you know that two-way defensive specialist on the fourth line center role, getting in with points, chipping in every now and then, he didn't look out of place at all. Like he had the smarts to maintain the presence of being in the NHL. Um, yeah, I, I think it's more to just get him some more play time right now, get him back up to speed, and then call him back up. I don't think it's a major issue, although maybe a lot of Maple Leafs fans thought trade, incoming, eye emojis, everything. But uh, um, yeah, I don't think it's anything to be too caught or concerning about. And like Alex said, maybe you want to see Bobby McMahon get more ice time and Dredd and Hunt. Both of them looked fantastic as well. 
So maybe you want to see what they could do a little bit more because you already have an idea or a bigger sample with Holmberg. So um, not, not maybe you do even try to maybe showcase off somebody else, like give Alexander Kerfoot more minutes, maybe try and increase his trade value to try and trade him, get a piece back, and then have your younger pro- players in your prospect system like Holmberg and McMahon get more opportunities or get more minutes and more responsibility. So I think all of those are possible. Uh, again, they didn't say much. It was just a loan, but yeah, I, I, I can't see it being anything more than that. Okay. So talk and trade VSN is from St. Louis. And obviously the big rumor here is, is O'Reilly and the interest that the Leafs Ooh. might have in, in basically it would be just a playoff run for, for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, trade value a lot there's a lot of discussion that what st louis wants back is a is a young top end center prospect we're talking fraser minton we're talking matthew nyes peter you love the prospects let's talk a little bit of uh ryan o'reilly trade talk here are we are we gonna see the leafs make a move like that or or are we kind of you know sitting back and 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 maybe looking at somebody that could fit in on that second line when it comes to the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, great segue for VSN too. Um, uh, but uh, at the same time, um, I believe it was LA Freeman who reported on thir- or said on 32 podcasts, I think Matthew nice is virtually the only untouchable prospect. So I think you could scratch him off because any trade that involves Matthew nice, I'm not trading it unless we're like a top six or top four defenseman with long-term and great value. That's the only reason why I'm trading Matthew Nice. Other than that, no, not trading him, not even for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, obviously, you can maybe look at Fraser Minton, but given how well he's progressed in the WHL this season, the amount of points that he's racking up, the smarts that he possesses, the physical edge that he plays with too, um, would be tough to try and see him move. I mean, you can maybe try and use Topi Niemela as some leverage as well to try and keep Matthew Nice. But at the same time, I, I just can't see either of those players being dealt. I know you got to pay a price, if you, especially if you want to like get a rental or someone as high as Ryan O'Reilly uh, to make a deep run. You're going to have to pay that price. But at the same time, Matthew Nyes, no. Minton, I could understand, but I would still maybe try and offer up someone else like Topi Niemela um, as opposed to those two guys because I think they got a lot more upside. And that's to say Niemela doesn't, but given where how well they're set right now with uh, Timothy Lilligren taking that stride, I think it's going to be sometime before he could get like top six, top six, top four minutes, depending on how much Lilligren's moving up and down first, second, third pairing. But uh, yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting scenario. I mean, obviously Dubas has said that he wants to make a significant move or it's been reported that he wants to make a significant move either up front or on defense. At some point, he's going to have to go into the prospect pool and just say, hey, you know what? We're here to win. We got to do that. And the Leafs, although compared to other teams, may not look like it, they do have quality. Alex, are we going to be seeing Ryan O'Reilly in blue and white, or is he sticking with the blues? Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen, to be completely honest. Um, I Overall, sorry, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I'm not quite sure what happened. Hold on. I, I can't even tell you to cut it. And, oh, my God. I'm so stupid, guys. Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. I was looking. <laughs> it's on the live counter there, I was, right? I was looking. No, I was. So I was. 
Okay, I'm not going to lie. I've kind of been sneakily editing my article while we've been doing this. Um, and I, I, for whatever reason, I fucking forgot that we were on StreamYard. I thought we were on Zoom. So I was looking for the Zoom tab on, on the bottom of the screen. I was trying to get back here. <laughs> and I realized we're in StreamYard. I'm like, oh, shit, the tab's right there. Uh, okay, anyways. Um, yeah, So and I can't even tell you to cut it in post because this whole thing is going on live. So um, <laughs> it just showed my entire ass. Um, so... I, I don't think it's going to happen personally. At least I, I wouldn't say I want it to happen. Ryan O'Reilly, and he's a guy that I was huge on the trade the trade wagon for. Um, and I, he is a guy, like you guys have said, you know, you got to understand that he's not going to come at a cheap price. This is a Con Smythe winner. This is a guy who's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. When he's, when he's performing at the top of his game, he's a point-per-game player or just under that. Um, so you're obviously going to be getting a guy who – will bring a lot of things and bring a lot of good qualities to your team. And that doesn't come cheap, especially at the trade deadline. And I think it's just at a point where, you know, the Leafs have sort of, they, they sort of have some fluidity in their needs in that, you know, we've been talking about adding a top six forward the entire time or a, the, or a middle, you know, another top six forward or a, a third line center or something like that. But then you can also still make the argument that they need an upgrade on the defensive end. And when you consider those two things together, I just can't see the Leafs giving up a premium for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, especially if he's a rental and there's no guarantee that he's going to re-sign in Toronto. I think that for that trade to work out and for them to move Matthew Nyes and or Frazier Minson and be getting maximum value back, I would say that O'Reilly has to, first of all, rebound when he gets to Toronto. Uh, we saw how trading for a guy you know, who's had some injury concerns during the season worked a couple years ago in Nick Foligno. Having said that, obviously, O'Reilly's a much better player than Felino, So um, that comparison kind of dies there. But Still paid still paid a first for... Well, Foligno. yeah, that's yeah. exactly. And then you're kind of going on that same track in O'Reilly. But uh, yeah, in the end, I, I just think that for that kind of a premium, it's just not worth trading for him, hoping that he'll pick it up offensively and get to the level we know he could be at and then potentially lose them in free agency. I think that's just a deal that you're waiting to lose. So um, overall, I mean, if, if they pulled off a trade for O'Reilly and it had to, like you said, Peter, if it had to include someone like Minton, I'd be able to stomach it maybe, but those are two prospects I really don't want the Leafs giving up. So um, hopefully he either stays in the Western Conference, doesn't go anywhere near the Bruins or the Lightning or anything like that. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, Matthew Nye's, add something to the team at the end of the year and also that goal that nice scored recently like two three four five days ago that was absolutely insane if he's going to be pulling moves off like that in the maple Leafs when the collegiate season's done that'll be that'll be their trade deadline acquisition right there yeah i mean you guys know how i feel about protecting your future and there's a bunch of teams right now in the nhl that don't have that bag of prospects that the mm -hmm. Leafs have um, Bruins me, are one of them too, so I really can't see Boston making a deal making for O'Reilly or even Bull Horvat for that matter. And on top of that, if you're if you're Boston right now, why would you want to mess with what you have? Yeah, I, I like there's there's so much talk when you talk about the deadline and and how you can ruin chemistry. And I think their biggest ad this year was bringing David Krejci back. I think that guy's like irreplaceable. He's he's he, he's every team should have a David Krejci. Um, I can't see them making a move. The Leafs have such a great bag of prospects. 
I know, I know everyone's up in arms about, you know, it was Matthews coming back. What are we going to do with Nylander when his contract's up? I mean, I, I get those conversations, but you don't want to, you don't want to basically hand over your entire future for maybe one Stanley cup run. And you haven't even gotten past the first round in mm-hmm. how many, 14 years. So if you want to get past to me, if you're, if you're like on the fringe, then absolutely you, you, you give up a little bit of that, that future for, for maybe putting you over the edge. But right now the Leafs have shown nothing in terms of like being that second round team, that third round team we've seen inconsistencies this year. So you're going to add a guy who's basically missed the second half of the season to hopefully go on a run. It just, to me, it doesn't make sense, but I mean, the Felino, the first for Felino didn't make sense to me either. So that, that kind of explains to you why I'm not sitting where Kyle Dubas is sitting. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have an issue with a lot of the moves that Dubas has made. Um, I don't see him, even though he's likely done at the end of the year, I don't see him kind of giving up the future either and saying, you know, screw it. We're going all in. Um, I just, I can't see it. And where, where do you slot O'Reilly in? Like you're, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't see that move. Um, obviously that's going to be a conversation point until O'Reilly gets moved. So I'm sure we'll talk about this down the road again when, you know, the trade rumors start to heat up. But for now, I, I don't see the Leafs making that move to bring in O'Reilly. So we can um, save this discussion for another day, but just to build off your point there, Forbes, I just want to say that if the Leafs move on from Kyle Dubas, regardless of what happens at the end of the year, they're going to regret it in a big mm-hmm. way. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, I wasn't saying that to di- like it, it, as like a disagreement. Yeah. I'm just, I wanted to put that point out there because I'm, I firmly believe they're going to, they're going to fuck up if they do yeah. that. No, I don't yeah. think they'll make a rash decision like that because you look at like play or like, uh, you know, people in the front office, like who would be worthy enough to head the Maple Leafs considering the history that they've had and the struggles that they've had. Dubas is the only one that has had Jason actually. Spezza. Okay. 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 Fair, fair point. No, I, fair I'm, point. I'm, that was a total joke. Total joke. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if there's going to be like a, a crop of like free agents to add for the general manager position, who's going to be a name that stands out? Like we don't even know at that point. So you might as well just take with what your hat, what you have, and Dubas is the closest thing that have gotten them past that, especially last year. I'm not just saying this because I've seen them scoop up every like castaway that the Leafs have had, but if Dubas were to leave Toronto, what are the chances he ends up with the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Rutherford's out? Oh, I'd say he goes to the Oilers. Well, I mean, <laughs> either or, I guess. Basically, he's going to the 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 uh, the West Coast there, but. Yeah. Anyways, he's whoever I don't whoever he goes to, he's winning the cup with them. Honestly, that's yeah. that's just yeah. how it's gonna go. It's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about how the Leafs have looked over the last little bit. Austin Matthews, uh recent injury. He says it's lingering. A lot of speculation of whether it was that cross check from Jamie Ben earlier in the season. Um, we don't really have much on that, so I won't really touch on it too much. Obviously, he's having a great year. You can see at the bottom of our screen here, 43 games, he's got 49 points. So, I mean, he's still a point a game. He's not, you know, maybe scoring to the same level that he's used to, but uh, you guys want to talk about the injury or just kind of brush over that one? Brush. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's not much good on, against, right? So he looked good against Boston. He had that snipe against Florida. I mean, what he else? What more can you say? Amped. 
against oh. Florida. Like he was pumped to put that one in. So it's good to that... see. You want to want to see him kind of get back to that scoring touch, but at the same time, his 200 foot game right now, guys, is is unbelievable. I think it's mm-hmm. like it to me. It's top three. He's got to be in for the selfie this year. Has to be. I think he's got to win it. I think he's got to win it. I think he. I was reading a stat the other day that in terms of defensive plays, he's got like 20 more defensive plays than any other player in the league right now. So um, take that into consideration when you vote for your Selkie. Um, aside from that, the comeback against Florida. Let's talk about the comeback. First off, the goaltending. Alex, you tweeted out the save percentages for both, both goaltenders over the last five games. Not ideal, not the 9-13, 9-16 that we were hoping, but the Leafs are still winning games. Um, they've lost a couple, a couple close ones. The one against Boston obviously was a, was a shitty way to lose. That, that Marner trip on, on Lindholm late, um, we'll get to the officiating in a sec. I'm sure you guys saw. Um, but the goaltending has been suspect a little bit lately. Samsonov came in the other night against uh, Florida and really just lit it up. Like he, he, he made some great stops to keep Toronto in the game. Um, obviously the Leafs were able to come back and win that one in overtime. Um, Alex, your thoughts on the goaltending and is it panic time or are we just in the January blues for them for Maple Leafs goaltending? No, it's, it's not panic time. And the reality is, is that the Leafs goaltending is as much as there is a little bit of a trend that's comparable to what we saw last year around this time of year. I don't think it's at the same degree. Uh, I, I think that both of those goalies, for, first of all, Jack Campbell struggling last year meant that the Leafs had to throw to Peter Morazic, and that's not the case this year. Yeah. So if Murray's struggling, they've been able to throw to Samsonov and he's been able to bail them out and vice versa. It's been the other way around too. So I've noticed that one thing that I noticed about Matt Murray is that and you know what? I'm basically just going to spoil my article because I, I wrote an article about this today and about how with the Leafs goaltending tandem, it's probably best if you are sorry, if the Leafs continue to use them as a tandem the way they have instead of letting one guy take the reins and be the starting goalie. The reason I say that is not be I say it because they haven't like not one guy in that tandem has really earned the net more than the other. And that's not to say they haven't played well. I just think that Murray hasn't really outperformed Samsonov and Samsonov hasn't really outperformed Murray. I think they've been very close to each other. I mean, if you look at the stats, they're relatively similar as well. Um, What I will say that I noticed between the two is that Samsonov is insanely streaky in the sense that he'll win five games in a row and then he'll have like three or four games in a row where he, he starts to struggle and he'll, he'll throw up a couple of 800 save percentages. Murray doesn't really streak as much, but his highs are way higher. I won't say way higher. His highs are, are, are generally higher than, um, than what your average, I don't know, your average win as an NHL goalie would be, your average save percentage. And his lows are just way, way below where they could be. So in saying that, you know, his losses have generally had save percentages in between 800 and 850, which is like bottom of the barrel bad. And his wins have been insane performances like 940 and up. So there haven't really been too many performances from Murray mixed in there where it's been like a 915 or a 910 or a 905 or something like that. Like it's, it's really been one end of the spectrum or the other for him. And so 
you know, I'm not really even sure where I'm going at this anymore. I just wanted to point out some, some, some things that I noticed in looking at their, their past couple of games and just, I don't think it's time to panic, but I think that the Leafs do need to keep going about this, this, this situation as a tandem. And yeah, like don't, you know, if one guy really steps up and really starts to run away with the crease, then he gets the job hundred percent because you don't want to be running a tandem into the playoffs. That's that, that's not going to be happening. But at the same time, as of right now, I don't know if we've seen more than like two good starts in a row from either goalie. And that's, again, not really a concern because the other goalies have been there to bail them out. And the Leafs have been able to bail them out from time to time as well. And their stats are fine. But I just, I I can't say it with confidence at this point that, yeah, you know what? Matt Murray has really earned the starting job over Samsonov. Or, hey, Samsonov has really earned the starting job over Matt Murray. So, I just think that they got to keep doing what they're doing that they've been, they've been getting wins. So I don't think it's that much of an issue over the past, you know, these past couple of games, their past 11 games actually, where they where this has supposedly become an issue. Um, It's, I want to say they're like seven, three and one. So they're still winning games. That's not a concern. Uh, I just, I I think that they got to keep moving their tandem along the way they have been. And see what happens if one guy starts to heat up then maybe start to give him more starts but as of right now i haven't really seen that so i wouldn't say it's time to panic but i also would say that you know i i don't i think there's still a lot of internal competition to be had there peter your thoughts on the goaltending at this point in the season sticking with the tandem should we name a starter or do you think the leafs maybe need to look down a different uh, different road in terms of what they have uh, I, you got to keep up what you have. And I think at some point you do got to name a starter before the playoffs, because I don't think you want to have that competition or doubt where you're good for two, three games. And then you, you need to try to find an answer for another one or two to try and win a game. If you lose one, what, what have you. But I think, I think I, I agree with Alex. I, th- I think it's way too early or there should be still no cause or concern. Right? And because of the fact that no matter what, and Alex alluded to this as well, but no matter what happens, they always still find a way to come in, stop the bleeding, give the team a winning chance, and then ba- manage to rebound greatly the following game after. Because I know that, you know, I don't understand, like, why there's this, like, you know, kind of trend. I mean, I get, I, it does happen from time to time, but I don't understand how Murray can have a lights-out game against the natural predators, his glove hand is on point and didn't have two bad games where his glove is completely way off against the Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers and two uh, divisional games. Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov stood tall in that game against the Detroit Red Wings the team in front of him. Wasn't that great. So I think most of the time the it's a result of plays and turnovers, bad puck management, clearing attempts that lead to goal against that, you know, Murray and Samsonov are like trying to panic and get into position try to get that reaction time back and try and locate the puck quickly because the defense at some point in the, during the stretch hasn't been that great as well. I mean, they managed to like, you know, turn things around, but again, the consistency still isn't quite there. So I think it's a mix of both, but at the same time, I, I, I think that both goalies, the fact that they had the mental fortitude to bounce back and regroup and refocus considering with the coaches that they have right now, and the training staff to help them, you know, work on their, um, you know, their mechanics and everything like that. I think it's a great sign that they put into work every single time. So 
that to me wasn't quite evident last year. I even like, even when there was the whole thing about Peter Morazic, I thought I heard that he didn't even have a goalie coach through his like minor hockey career until he became an NHLer. Can't remember where that was, but I, I do remember seeing that online. I think it was like a sports net kind of thing. I, I, I would need to double check that, but you know, the fact that you have these goalies willing to put in the work, that's a big step. That's a big sign that they want to win and they want to show it night in and night out. So let me put it this way. Right now, 45 games in, you're sitting with 61 points, 27 wins. You're fourth overall in the NHL when it comes to standings. Panic, not even close. I'm here for the Murray train. You guys have known this from, from day one of this season. When they brought him in, I got my ticket. I punched it. I'm, I'm, I've been riding this, this Murray train throughout the yep. NHL this whole time. Samsonov has surprised me. I, I'm thoroughly impressed with how he's played. Has he had off nights where he looks like he's swimming in the crease? Absolutely. Have the Leafs let both of these goaltenders down in games? Absolutely. Have some of the chances been better? I mean, there's, there's games where they, the opposition has 18 shots and you have to get three goals. Some of those chances are, are better chances and, you know, their, their expected goals against, you know, look into it because it, it is, it is higher than, than you'd expect, right. With, with the numbers they're putting up, but still, I believe Samsonov's top four, top five in, in goals against that he's sitting at 224 right now. How can you like, I get that everyone was worried when Jack Campbell went through this last January, Peter, you met, you mentioned the mental fortitude. Jack Campbell has always been a guy that has kind of been harder on himself in terms of his play. And we saw that last year, he had a shitty year and he started to, to beat himself up. Samsonov and Murray, they, they, they do take ownership of, of games that they don't play well, but they don't give themselves a hard time. They don't get on it. They, they, they come back as you guys both mentioned and they play well. So for me, it's not panic time for me. You don't go a different route. Sure, if one of them gets injured, we talked about this last week, Joseph Wall is waiting in the wins to get an opportunity. That being said, you run with this pairing. And all these two are going to do is push each other to be better throughout the year. And yeah, when you get to the playoffs, you might have to name a starter. At the same time, we've seen teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, when Matt Murray was there, lean on Flurry 90% of the playoffs and throw Murray in in the Stanley Cup Finals and they won the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying it's the perfect recipe, but I'm saying a tandem isn't the worst way to go nowadays. So you're right? saying like, that what the Leafs should do is start Samsonov all the way until the Stanley Cup final and then throw Murray right in through, and then win the you'll Cup? Get the, you'll get through the first round against Tampa. You'll yeah. beat Boston. You'll get through, no problem. And as soon as you get to the Stanley Cup against whoever the, comes out of the West. Um, that was the plan you know, all Jesus, along. L- listen to these predictions from Forbes Sturdamus over here. <laughs> I'm just, Jesus. I'm just out there. there we go. <laughs> I think that's a new. I think that's a new betting segment. Forbes FanDuel picks. Jesus, yeah, yeah. No we kidding. trademark that here. You tell them to sponsor me personally, and I'll I'll throw picks all day for FanDuel. I'll I'll read off odds for like an entire thirty minutes of this episode. Throw out my bet. Second half, Trevor Lawrence. There you go. There's my free there pick go. of the week. There we go, baby. There we go. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think you got to stick with what you have. I think. Um, you know, they've gotten you to where you are right now. You're fourth in the league, like I said. So don't panic. Let's let's see what they can do. Um, that being said, I mentioned that the the Leafs do have to play better in front of them. Part of that is this five forward power play that we keep seeing. 
And I don't know about you guys, but I just, I rack my brains at this because I don't understand it. I, I, I just, I get that they're all like, oh, well, Marner has played, you know, some D when he was in junior, whatever, blah, 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 blah. If you look out there when these guys get a, a, a shorthanded break against them, it's pure panic. It's anarchy. Like there's sticks flying over the ice. There's, there's players diving. There's no, no forward on the Leafs that can make a defensive play the same way that TJ Brody or Mark Giordano have where they dive and swing that stick almost, almost to perfection where they don't trip the guy and they still make the defensive play. So Peter throw it to you first, this five forward power play. What what are we going to do with this for the rest of the year? It can't, it can't keep happening. It was fun while it lasted. I mean, it was fun from the beginning to see all five forwards out there, you know, the big four and even Michael Bunting, you know, causing havoc in front of the net kind of thing. It was. But then again, like you said, you see the rush chances or like shorthanded chances against, and they, you know, case in point, that one against uh, Florida with Anton Lundell. Um, Mitch Marner or the puck gets away from him. He tries to swap the puck and Barkov goes on a breakaway. Murray saves it. Lundell's there for the juicy rebound. I mean, I... I mean, I get why they did it because Morgan Riley wasn't there. But then again, you still have Rasmus Sandin. You have Timothy Lilligren. I want to see Lilligren on that first power play unit, by the way. Because what you ha- like you said, Forbes, when you don't have a defenseman there, there's a lot of panic and a lot of, you know, you know, um, I mean, there's a lot of panic uh, from the forwards trying to get back and help out because they're already set up in the position. There's one guy back who's there. At least if you have a defenseman, even if it is um, – Morgan Riley, who people have criticized his defense as of late, a little unfair because he is coming back from an injury. The fact that you have him, and as much as we want him to shoot, he still manages to be the quarterback and set the play up for either Matthews, Marner, whatever. The play does go through him. But at the same time, if you don't have a defense there, you got to put a defense there. But if you don't have a defense that can shoot the puck, unlike that Morgan Riley doesn't, then you're kind of in that, you know, limbo state. What are you going to do now? Might as well just take your chances and roll with Riley. Or even if you want to try a little grin with his right-handed shot, because that could be a little bit deceptive. Why not throw him on there? We've seen uh, Sandine work his magic on the top power play unit. We really haven't seen everybody. So that's where I'm at with the five-man units. If you want to keep going, if you want to go back to Riley, because you did start to see a little bit more results with his assist totals. Great. I just want to see him shoot the puck a little bit more because he has shown to shoot the puck. He has the power. We're just not seeing that right now. Alex, your thoughts on this five four power play? Um, and I mean, do you go with Lilligren back there, or, or what? Are, what are we thinking moving forward here? Because we saw another shorthanded opportunity against Florida. And if, if this continues, like that's not that's not what you want when you got five of your best guys on the ice. I would put Jordy Ben out there instead of the five forward power play unit at this point. Thing like no, that you know what I, I I was so done with it after like the first time. Like you said, Peter, it was cool the first time to see all five forwards go out there and like oh look mm-hmm. at this and it did work. A new team they're trying it out and yeah it was fun for a second until they gave up a shorthanded break almost immediately. So. Um, I think that the biggest issue with the five forward unit is the fact that for them to really be cooking, they have to have full possession of the puck. They cannot let the puck get out of the zone because once that happens, like he said, Forbes, it, it, it's like opening up a can of worms on the ice. Like, the, like their those, entries too are bad. Oh, they're, yeah, their entries were terrible. 
And you know what? I think just having a defenseman back there, whether, and for the record, Peter, I actually agree with you. I would like to see Lilligren on that top unit, or at least given a shot there. Um, I think that even if you got to put Morgan Riley or Sandine or Giordano or whoever there, you need to have a defenseman there just to stabilize the unit. Let the forwards cook, let the forwards do their thing. And the defenseman, as much as he's there to quarterback the whole thing and to provide the shot from the point, they're also there to back up the team if those shorthanded breaks do happen and they're trained for those situations. Marner, as much as we want to pretend like he can be a good defenseman, he's not. So worth noting before we send before we send leave Twitter into a pure panic is that the Leafs are 20th in the league in shorthand goals again. So they've only allowed three this season. Um, that said, it seems like they're getting more or giving up more opportunities over the last, you know, couple of weeks when they've, they've, they've uh, iced this five four power play. Um, I'm with you. I I'd like to see Lilligren out there. I think he's by far been one of the best defensemen for the Leafs this year um, in terms of consistency of play, in terms of his physicality, in terms of getting involved, in terms of his shot. We've seen a better shot from him this year. I think getting him out there and kind of letting him quarterback a little bit I mean, he's he's got to be one of your guys of the future, and 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 you got, you have to invest time in him, and, and that means giving him opportunities and some of the some of the um, you know some of the best uh, best opportunities, and, and that's PP one. So um, I'd love to see him out there, but again, we're not we're not the coaches, we're not the GM. We're sitting here on the sideline, shaking our heads and and drinking beers when we're trying to watch this five five four power play, and. Uh, Gentlemen, before we move on with more Leaf Talk, quick word from our sponsors over at the Indy Ale House. Uh, speaking of beer, hockey is back, and with it, so are our Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indy Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the Junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA, which I'm enjoying tonight, and Marco Polo Pilsner at Finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto adventurous fun focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in your face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options indie alehouse is the go to for game day go to www.indiealehouse.com to place your online orders today and boys beer and hockey it's the way to go um, more Leafs talk I, I feel like every time we we watched Leaf games recently. I'm, I'm enjoying a beverage because I can't take some of the ways they play. But um, the game against Florida, uh, let's talk a little bit about how they went down and the officiating. You guys can talk about the officiating over the last little bit. You can go league-wide for all I care because it's been a league-wide issue now for, for probably, well, I mean, if you really want to get into it, it's been a league-wide issue for the last three, four years. But... I did release a thread on Twitter, and I don't know if you guys saw this, criticizing the officiating from an entire night of NHL action with video reference as well. That's right. It's like going back to school and, uh, you know, 
sourcing your your uh, your points in your essay. So, Peter, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you love officiating. I think I see you every game make a comment about the officiating. Your thoughts on what we've seen as of late and how it's impacted our Maple Leafs. Oh, my God. Where do I begin? I don't even know where to begin anymore. I mean, from the misinterference call on David Camp against Nashville from Nino Niederreiter, the high stick from Ben Sherratt, uh when they played Detroit, the Allmark stick toss, apparently it was accidental, um, at Marner, that should have been a penalty. I mean, even even in the game against Florida, for both teams, Florida and Toronto, it was absolutely ridiculous how, like, the calls they had, like, especially that one where Lilligren's going to the box, it's Sam Bennett, but it's not Sam Bennett, it is Lilligren, and it's like, well, what the hell did Lilligren do kind of thing, right? Like, we're all scratching our heads because it's just a mat, it is a shit show. Like, let's be realistic, and, you know, we see everybody complaining nonstop, and even the when Matthew scored that goal that, you know, tried to, like, you know, get the team in they're reviewing the goal because the net was knocked off but it was knocked off intentionally by Bobrovsky and it's like well what are we doing here he knocked it off it's a good goal that was Matt Murray in Bobrovsky's jersey exactly exactly but then again if Matt Murray did that everyone would be crucifying the Maple Leafs kind of thing but whatever I mean yeah I'm not going to talk about the officiating because we all know how we feel about it it's just a joke um, but I will say this after that four, two goal, the Maple Leafs started to show some life, you know, right when it, it could have been, you know, they could have packed it in, you know, four, two didn't have anything going. They had all the chances, but you know, Matt Murray did, wasn't himself, but they showed some fight. And I think it all started with Zach Aston Reese dropping the gloves of Racco Gudis. Then it went to Austin Matthews with his goal and the emotion that he had with his fist bump and going to the crowd. That's what we want to see. Then you see Nylander. Missed penalty shot, but he makes up for it for the tying goal and the game-winning goal. So they had that fire in him, and I think the fact that they were able to come together as a group, show that solidarity, show that team mentality, where they're not afraid to get uh, or afraid to get physical, get in the faces of the opponent, hack and slash away just like other teams do to them. They're not afraid of that anymore, and I, and that's a, that's a, the sad part because I want to see that consistently from them. We saw that that game. We've seen him at periodically from games in the past. I want to see that fight every single time. And if they, they're able to do that, they're going to come closer together as a team. They're going to be more close-knit than anything else in the past. And if they continue to do that and show that mentality, show that never-back-down spirit, I think this, this could be a turning point for the team where it'd be like, hey, you know, we've got each other's backs. We managed to come back when the game was down and out. We showed no quit. That's what you want to see in a in a cup contending team. Alex, your thoughts on the comeback and the officiating? I mean, you don't have to really touch on the officiating if you don't feel like it. I know we all kind of sit in the same in the same realm when we talk about how the officials have handled the game the last little while. But the comeback against Florida, how important is that, and how important is it what Alex or what uh, Peter said rather? Um, you know, the the camaraderie, the standing up for for the teammates. Yeah, all that was huge. Um, you know, I, 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 it's funny. The, I know that we've talked about the officiating a million times, but just because we're doing this again, I'm going to, th- I, I'm going to come up with a new thing where I, every time we talk about the officiating, I'm going to try and think of a different way to articulate how just how bad it was. <laughs> and 
the officiating in that Florida game is the first time in my time watching hockey that I have watched a game where the officiating was so bad for the other team that the, like it was in the Leafs favor. The Leafs got like seven power plays in a row, but by the, like the fifth or sixth power play, I was like, okay, this is a joke. Like, that like that happens. is the first time I've ever felt like that watching a game where the officiating has benefited the Leafs so much. And you know what? Like the Leafs had their bat, like they had their moments against them too. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfectly called game uh, in favor of the Leafs. Like, like you said, Peter, it was bad for both teams yesterday, but I think Florida getting that many penalties, like by the time, like I said, by the time that fifth or sixth penalty, and it also helped that the Leafs weren't really doing anything on the power play either, but I was just like, okay, come on. Like, just just stop like this is this is getting to be absolutely comical so yeah that's what you're doing to me and nhl officiating you're you're so bad that even when you're favoring my team i can't stand to watch it like it, yeah that, that's that, that's that's where i'm at with the officiating I'm, the comeback itself gonna, sorry go ahead sorry i'm gonna jump in there real quick i'm not gonna lie i want to get tim peel on here like i want to get yeah. him on here one day and just talk to him about because I, I like i listened to him on on another podcast and he was saying like I get where he was coming from when he was talking, like, especially with the incident that got him canned, like, but I want to get his insight into some of the shit that's been going on, like the Sergachev punch and, and the Clayton Keller cross check and the shit like that. Like, give me some more insight because there's got to be something I'm missing here. There has to be. Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't, I don't get it. I I, I don't either. You know what? Can I, can I just point out one more thing? Because, you know, I think we can, I think I I don't think you guys need my take for the comeback. I think you know it was it was awesome. William Nylander stood on his head. It was great to see the way they responded. Mm-hmm. It was just a overall one of those one of those things where and you know what Samsonov as well. Ilya Samsonov yeah. that comeback doesn't happen without without him. And yeah, you can say oh he only stopped eleven shots, but I would say about eight of those shots were were obs- were insane, like insane high. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there were a couple of big saves there that yeah. he had to make, and the least, especially in that third. Yeah, yeah, he was huge, and you know what? It's coming out on in relief like that is not easy. But, anyways, that all being said, I think the other thing about that game, and I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. I was, I, I was just so passionate about it. I was so passionate to drop my take on it, and I. Oh, son of a bitch. The passion makes you forget. It does. It does. Passion, I was man. so passionate about it. I was so I was ready to come in and make a big statement. Oh, damn it. Um Nylander, Samsonov. No, it was uh, it didn't have to do with that. Um standing it, up for the teammates. It, no, it had to do it had to do with the game. I can't remember what fuck uh, i can't i'm, I'm actually pissed. Okay, sorry <laughs> guys just continue keep, keep talking i'm gonna try and remember this because uh, i'm not gonna okay. be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> well well alex remembers i'm glad i'm glad you did mention nylander because he's kind of our last he's our last topic of the night boys william nylander is having an incredible incredible season uh by his standards 50 points in 45 games 24 goals already um is he playing himself out of Toronto like some people have said? Or are we talking about a guy that you need to lock down and get signed to a contract this off? Boys, I'm sorry. I'm butting in right now because I just remembered and I don't want to lose this. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the final point that I was going to make about that is just, and this has been pointed out a million times already, but just the hilarious irony 
that comes with the fact that Sheldon Keith immediately got fined for calling out the officiating. Paul Maurice goes like, I have never, I've seen, I have seen very few like instances where a coach calls out the officiating, save for some torts moments in the past. And maybe, you know, here, here and there, you'll have you'll have coaches call out the officiating in the dressing room. But the way that he went at it yesterday couldn't have been more clear cut. He was like, "That was very I don't know what those guys were doing out there, but it was not very Florida Panther friendly." And then he goes out to call out one of the uh, he didn't name him, but he was like one of those officials, and I have a history or something like that. Like, how the fuck did that not warrant a, a fine? But Sheldon Keith says it sucked to see our player on the ice bleeding out, and that's a fine. Like, 25,000, 25,000 out of his pocket, right uh, to the league. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys can butt back into Nylander now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to sleep tonight now that I've gotten that out. <laughs> Peter, I want to get your thoughts on Nylander. Do we need to lock him up this offseason? And what are we looking at when it comes to a, a, maybe a comparable contractor or what he's going to be getting uh, in his next contract with whoever he signs with? Yes. Yes. That's just yes. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of a, I mean, a comparable, I mean, that's a really good one. I mean, he's just making under seven mil right now. And if the cap is going up as it should in the next and the up and coming years, obviously the Maple Leafs don't have a lot of room. Obviously you have some free space. You're going to have to probably plug away with a few depth options, which is why you got some pieces coming up, but you're probably looking at maybe a nine, ten million dollar player, possibly at this point. I don't know if the Maple Leafs could afford another ten million dollar player, but the way that he's playing, you can rest assured that he's going to be asking top dollar right now. And obviously, there, there's going to be people out there saying, "Oh, William Nylander's not worth nine million. He's not worth ten million. Well, he's had two incredible seasons back to back, where he he set a career high last season, and he's going to set even more career highs this season as well, possibly." on pace for 43 goals, 45 assists, and 88 points. I mean, that's outstanding work. And the fact that he is, you know, second to Marner in scoring, it's fantastic. But at the same time, you know, you want to try and lock him up, try and get that dollar value a little bit lower. Maybe if you try to sign him in that 8.5, 8 to 9 range kind of thing, somewhere in there, great. But it's... You know, I don't want to sound like a mainstream media kind of person, but it, it does maybe seem like that maybe you can't re-sign him if you still want to make Matthews Marner your priority as well. So tough decision. I still want to see Nylander here, but uh, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever he, and again, you know, he wanted his fair share last time. Hopefully he gets, you know, something reasonable for both sides this time around. Alex, I'm going to put it this way to you. I literally have not bought a Nylander jersey yet because for the first little while of his league career, I wanted them to trade him. I remember. Now, I, I, you know what, mm-hmm. Forbes? It's yeah. actually funny that you bring that up because I think you and I really kind of became became friends and started talking more as you were moving out of that Nylander stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that, that that shortened season, the first time I ever talked to you face, well, face-to-face was – when we were doing the Maple Leafs lounge. And I remember you, you had some words to say about Nylander. And I was like, I was like, okay, I, I can respect this. And then you just never brought it up again. You yeah. were pro Nylander. I, I fell in love. I fell in love. <laughs> I've only fallen in love twice in my life. Once with my wife and now with William Nylander. Once, oh, I, I thought I, you were going to say once with the podcast and one with William Nylander. Oh, that's my secret love. That's my secret love. 
Um, but no, I and now I don't want to buy his jersey because I'm like, man, this guy's gonna leave town. So I'm like, oh, it's okay, man. I, I I got Jack Campbell stitched on my retinas jersey last year. That was a horrible mistake. <laughs> I have a Jack Campbell signed jersey in the background of my my room. I made a TikTok chugging a beer for Curtis in Alberta, and some clown decided to to chirp me for having a Jack Campbell signed jersey on my wall. So I mean, <laughs> you win some, you lose some, boys. Yeah. But um. Alex, William Nylander, what are we looking at here? Are we looking at a guy that's, you know, going to skip town? Or are we looking at a guy that – and let's preface this too with Michael Nylander had a history of holding out. We've seen one from William already. Is there potential that if he does sign with the Leafs that maybe he doesn't start the season with them right away? Or are we – you know, he's UFA, let's – they got, well, they got yeah, if he's out. a UFA, then he's not holding out because they don't even have that option. Like, mm. if the, once the Leafs, the Leafs lose his rights, they can't. That's just not going to happen. So, um, I, I, I don't really want to address this even because, like you said, Forbes, I'm terrified of the of the day when that comes. But I got a gut feeling that he's not going to be back after this contract. I mean, you know, if he if he took a hometown discount, I think he would become one of my favorite players of all time just for that moment. But I don't think he's going to do that. I think at this point he's earned, excuse me, he's earned the right to cash out. And I can't imagine that. I can't imagine, I can't imagine him not asking for the Leafs for like $10 million or nine, $10 million. Cause I feel like he could get that somewhere else at this mm-hmm. point, the cap going up, even if it's just by a dollar. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, um, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about this too much. It's going to make me sad. But uh, I'm holding out hope that Nylander either just has a horrible stretch next year where he that that just kills all his value, and the Leafs can bring him back for six point nine again, or either that or he takes a hometown discount because I, you know, he's been a huge part of the team at this point. He's he's showing that he's right up there in the conversation with Matthews and Marner for the faces of the franchise, and it's going to be tough to see him go if he does. So here's hoping. Alex, love hurts, buddy. Love hurts. Um, but uh, no, uh, I, I do believe you're looking at probably eight to nine million if you're lucky. I think to me, that's that's still a little bit of a discount. But if you want to be part of the, the core in this organization, knowing damn well that the, the cap's going to go up, that maybe you kind of you sit on the contract that you're going to get from them and, and, and take part in this. Essentially, what you need with the lease right now is you need the Boston mentality where you're going to get teams or you're going to get mm-hmm. players to start buying in for a lower cap. And I know there's going to be some players that don't like that. I know there's going to be some players that don't want to be a part of that. At the same time, there's going to be some players that are all for it. And I think the guys that are kind of close to home are going to, are going to be the ones that buy in. Michael Bunting is one guy that I think of. Yeah. He's going to take a home hometown discount. Mitch Marner, I'm not positive about, uh, especially after the last negotiation. But I think I think I've said to you guys before, Matthews knows that he's got an opportunity here to be to be historical when it comes to this franchise, um, to, to break Sundin's points record, to 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 be top five in goals, assists, points, whatever you have, to to give this this franchise, you know, to maybe earn his spot on legends row. I, I know that's a leap right now, but like, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And maybe that's something that you can sell to this guy. And I think that's why that, you know, having a guy like Jason Spets up in the, in the, uh, in the front office is, is perfect. Cause you have him who's been in the room with these guys, understands these guys and can have that be that voice for you. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to have the conversation about Nylander either because the way he's playing this season, I don't want to see him go, but his value is going to be through the roof when it comes to, to free agency. So uh, I do think it's going to be upwards of nine, even closer to 10 million when, when, when it's all said and done, it's going to be somewhere between his 6.9 and, and what Marner's earning as well. So um, that said, gentlemen, uh, it's, it's been a hell of a hell of an episode doing our first live for VSN. Uh, very excited to keep this going. There is one thing that we didn't mention off the top of the show, and this is on me. We have a big announcement for next week and I'm, I'm super stoked about this. I, I know you guys are probably in the same boat as me, but we've got gold medalist world junior gold medalist, Jack Maddie, Mateer, Jack Mateer. <laughs> you guys knew I was going to blow that. Jack Mateer coming on uh, next week. And man, don't do that next week. <laughs> I, I better, I am going to be practicing in front of a mirror for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looked like you were going to avoid that. And then all of a sudden, we're going to, we're going to start. And then you're going to stand there in front of the mirror and t- tell yourself over and over. And then we're going to start the episode. You'll be like, all right, guys, we're interviewing Curtis Lazar from the <laughs> Canadians men's national team. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Anyways. Sorry. He's, he's, no, no. He's going to be joining us next week. Uh, very excited about it. We're going to talk a little gold medal, a little world juniors. Um, Pavel Mintyukov. We're going to talk a little bit of that as he's playing with the Ottawa 67s as well now in the OHL. And of course, we're going to have to talk a little Connor Bedard as well. So we'll get that all in there with Jack Mitz here next week. Um, before we close it out, anything you guys wanted to add about what you've got going on at the Hockey Writers or what you have coming up over the next week? I don't have anything really. I mean, well, I teased an article. Oh yeah, the Jags. Oh, I, sorry. You say you say an article, or sorry, you say like anything you want to tease with the hockey writers. And my mind immediately strayed away from football. But uh, yeah, big Jags game this weekend. Uh, take down the Chiefs in their fucking racist name. Uh, let's uh, let, let's get after it. Um, I don't really have anything at the hockey writers. I mean, I did tease an article I was writing earlier this episode that'll be out on the day that this podcast goes live. Uh, probably going to have something in the coming days on uh, a Sam Bennett trade target piece, which maybe we'll discuss on the show a little more in the future. So uh, that's what you can expect from here. I'll either be very happy or very sad next week. Peter, anything you got going on for the week? Yeah, I got something out tomorrow on uh, some things that we even talked about today on what the Maple Leafs can do to try and tidy some things up after, you know, average start to 2023 so be on the lookout for that and also i got something about kelly Yarncroak in the mix as well so be sure to check that out as well when i'll get to it don't know but probably next week beautiful well boys as always thanks to the vsn network for having us uh and and helping us live stream this for you thank you shout out to uh indl house as well for for partnering with us and, and continue to sponsor us through all this as well and as always, you can follow all of us on, on uh, Twitter. Our handles are on the bottom. This is the first time you've been through. able to say that. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go through them anyways. It's, it's part of my clothes here. Yeah. So Andrew G. Forbes is myself. A. Hobson Media for Alex and P. Barrichini at uh, on Twitter for Peter. Uh, you can also check out the show on Twitter at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E 6-I-X-P-O-D. Or hit us up on any of the socials on the bottom there. We look forward to jumping back into it next week with all of you uh, for episode 111 of the podcast. 
for now that's all for sticks and six.